he was uh, you know quite a few years senior to me and said you don't know what you're talking about son if you reckon whiskey's rubbish uh, you need to try a single malt and you need to try one of these and he gave me a list I went home and bought one and uh, Mel and I tried it and it was almost that light bulb moment it was uh, the love of whiskey started from then uh, and I guess uh, reached uh, such a, a point that I uh, wanted to find out how to make it. Something a little bit different today on Dirty Linen. We are on the road in South Gippsland, an hour and a bit from Melbourne in the very pretty town of Locke. I'm sitting here with Craig Johnson at his Locke Brewery and Distillery. I'm looking out the window to the very pretty rolling green hills that are so characteristic of this part of the world. Craig, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you for having me. It's funny to welcome you when yeah. I'm sitting in your beautiful distillery and brewery. Well, I should say welcome to South Gippsland. It's a uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. It's great to be here. Certainly a gorgeous part of the country. I do love uh, yeah heading out of Melbourne and down this way. Set the scene for us. What's what's Lock like and what's your part here? Yeah, well, look, Lock, Lock's a, a little village, uh, only just over an hour from Melbourne. Uh, we uh, moved here about 13 years ago now. Um, into the old bank, uh, Union Bank. Uh, it's been around for about 125 years. Uh, we we moved down here for the for the reason for making whiskey. Uh, is, is, it was the original dream. Um, from that, it, it sort of turned into a uh, brewery and distillery. So we now make our real ales, gin, rum, brandy, and single malt whiskey, of course. And what would you say is characteristic about the lock style of, of making these drinks? Look, I think I think the, the the thing we were always most interested in was the traditional methods. Uh, the you know for the brewing process, uh, we you know, we love the idea of ham mashing and gravity feeding uh, the mash tun uh, out to to the underback. Uh, you know things that just aren't really done in modern modern brew houses. They're not done in modern brew houses for good reason. Uh, they're slower. They're more time-consuming. Uh, they, they're, they're harder to do. Um, but we just love the idea of that uh, that that old old school technique where you actually get that that feeling of of, of how the mash is reacting by the paddle, the way the paddle moves through through the actual uh, the vessel, um, and that really you know helps us. I think you know sort of tweak the the each each individual brew to what we want. So, what might a typical day entail? What what happens here? Oh, look, we're only a very very small team. Uh, there's only four of us in the in the entire operation. Uh, so we will we will basically uh, flip between uh, brewing and distilling or we can actually be doing the two simultaneously sometimes and bottling uh, so it's a uh, usually very busy and then even on uh, on a Friday we'll be actually uh, opening the cellar door as well so uh, it's quite often uh, we'll be running in and out uh, from uh, from production to uh, to give the guys a hand sometimes in the cellar door and what's a good day at lock what what's some of your favorite things to do here oh look I think I think any any day uh, you know making whiskey is great uh, there's just something about it it's a it's such a wonderful process the smell of you know when you're first mashing in uh, with the hot water and the barley coming through from the from the mill it's amazing that just that f- sweet barley smells fantastic but then uh, in saying that uh, when you're distilling that's fantastic because you know you're smelling the the fruits of all all that that work um, and then uh, obviously after a number of years when you start looking and going to select barrels 
and actually that may be my favourite part, selecting barrels, uh, because after years you go up there and you, it's like uh, revisiting an old friend. You open up a barrel and you smell and go, I think that might be the next one. <laughs> and, and it's simply, yeah, that's that's probably the best part because uh, you know that's the, the culmination of all that hard work over the years. Amazing. I'd love you to tell the story of what brought you here. I mean, what makes someone um, move the family from Melbourne to start yeah. a brewery and a yeah, distillery? Well, I think everyone thought we were mad. Uh, both, both my wife and I were mad uh, for wanting to do this and bring our then uh, seven-year-old daughter out. Uh from uh, from uh, inner Melbourne. Um, look, it, it actually started with a, a workplace conversation uh, about uh, about single malt whiskey. Um, I was in my early twenties. Uh, thought I knew everything as as uh, as I did back then. And uh, and a gentleman who was working uh, working with me, uh, he uh, his his mother actually grew up on Isla, um, and he was uh, you know quite a few years senior to me, and said. You don't know what you're talking about, son. If you reckon whiskey's rubbish, uh, you need to try a single malt, and you need to try one of these. And he gave me a list. I went home and bought one, and uh, Mel and I tried it, and it was almost that light bulb moment. It was uh, the love of whiskey started from then, uh, and I guess uh, reached uh, such a, a point that I uh, wanted to find out how to make it. And uh, probably about 15 years ago, I had the opportunity of actually going and learning how to make whiskey. And as soon as I walked in into uh, the distillery and and saw the still and smelt the spirit and, and tasted the spirit coming off the still, I was hooked. That was it. I was I somehow had to do it. Um, and uh, luckily, luckily, uh, uh, Mel, my wife, was uh, uh, I guess uh, as equally enthusiastic about it. Um, and and yeah, we we basically just thought, well, yeah, we could keep working these these jobs which we were enjoying. And uh, and keep doing that and retire, or we could, you know, give something a go because we thought, well, what happens, you know, if you retire and you go, what if we tried doing this? And uh, in the end, that sort of we we reached the decision. Well, we may as well just give it a go, so we don't have that what if uh, when you're 65. Uh, and yeah, we haven't looked back. We loved loved every second of it. It's, it's a lot of hard work. But at the same time, it's so rewarding. Um, and, and one of the, the most rewarding things is, you know, when people come in for the first time and try, say, a gin or, or whiskey or, or even a, a hand-pumped real ale for the first time, they and you know they have that light bulb moment, and you see, you see that same spark. It's like, ah, oh, that's 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 great. Uh, what careers did you leave behind? Uh, look, very n- nothing to do with uh, beverage manufacturing or alcohol production. Uh, I, I actually work for a, a multinational uh, truck uh, manufacturer, um, and uh, was lucky enough to work across all the divisions there and got a lot of experience. And, and Mel was in art publishing, so it was uh, we're very different. Yeah, it was a very different world for us. Uh, there was a lot of learning, and still is a lot of learning. Um, but the the great thing is, I think it's a uh, you know what we've found through through you know meeting other people in the industry. It's, you know, there's a lot of support uh, and and a lot of encouragement for you know, anyone who's got passion and and desire to do this. Um, and you know we've been able to you know really you know talk to other people and and you know wine makers and 
other brewers in the area and it's 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 great it's uh, it's really been nice i mean what i see when you know you show me around where you're making everything is is like this real balance between science and you have to be quite rigorous and there's yeah. a lot of compliance but then there's also this artistic uh you know how does it feel yeah. how does it taste element how do you balance those things well look it's uh, i think coming from uh you know that uh engineering or manufacturing background uh you know i was uh i, I understood the the the, the rigors of of you know uh, quality and what you have have to do to maintain you know the the records and everything else. Uh, the art though is the thing that never really came into truck manufacturing, uh, but uh, that's where I've been able to sort of I guess express uh, you know as a as a brewer and distiller you know that that part. So it, it's uh, it actually it's it's amazing. It, it actually sort of flows naturally because I don't really have to think too much about the 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 process side, the, the control side, the measurement side, uh, it means I can really just let the let my mind go on on the creative side and, and you know, that's that's actually been, I think, again, another thing about making this decision and this change. It it really sort of opened up that part for me, uh, being able to to be expressive in that way. Um, because you don't really get that in an engineering sense, in a manufacturing sense, where you know, everything has to be exactly the same all the time. You know, here we can really con- you know, change what we want to do uh, as, as we see a different direction and, and make those changes sometimes even on the fly, um, which is really liberating. Um, you know, it gives you that you know, creative freedom uh, that you don't get from uh, just mainstream manufacturing of uh, of engineering pieces, I guess. So yeah. And you didn't just change careers; you also moved out of the city. Had the proverbial tree change. Yeah. Tell me about that. How did you just? How did you land on lock in the first place? And what's the move been like? Look, it, it was one of those things. It took us years to find uh, this place. Uh, we looked all over the state. Uh, it Mel's got probably three or four generations of family from down here from uh, farming down in uh, in South Gippsland so we knew the area well um, and in the end this this place came on on the market uh, and you know we just actually stopped driving through lock because it had been bypassed um, and we sort of almost forgotten about it uh, but then this place came on the market and we thought oh that could work and the building was beautiful and the village was you know picturesque it's you know it's great and the great thing about it was it's only you know that little what hour and 10 minutes from melbourne in that wonderful triangle uh between the prom wilson's prom inverloch and phillip island uh so yeah we knew people would be calling through um all we had to do is hopefully build something that people would stop at um and luckily they have and what changes have you seen in the region in the time that you've been here Oh look, it's 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 been uh, it's been really interesting to see you know over over the years uh, a lot of uh, obviously newer wineries come on uh, you know there's been you know some great breweries start up uh, and and of course you know uh, we've got a great cidery down in Foster um, and and I think you know what we're seeing now is a really uh, you know, we're almost having uh, the the South Gippsland uh, renaissance uh, of of food and drink because, you know, not only in 
in wine and and spirits uh, and and beer, you know, there's great cheese producers. Yeah, you know, we've got you know two of the you know world leading cheese producers just around the corner, which is amazing. So perfect for pairing with uh, with gin or uh, or wine, really. Um, and yeah, you know, we've got great bakers and, and and so many different producers in the area. Um, it's really, uh, I think, you know, now we're at a point where people instead of just traveling straight through are really slowing down their travels and, and exploring the region a lot more which is which is great because it really uh you know it's it's great for south gippsland and uh and it's great for the people visiting um you know we still have every weekend people coming from melbourne going oh i just did not know it was so beautiful down here and, and not realizing how close it actually is to to their back door yeah, it is so pretty. I think it's great that Locke got bypassed because it's it's maintained that yeah that hidden yeah. away feeling. Yeah, look, it, it, it's one of those things that it, it, the bypass can often be the end of a, a, a town, um, and I think a lot of people worried about Locke, you know, in the early days. Um, but in the end, the bypass, the way they did the bypass, which is just directly around the town, so you can still drive straight through the village. Uh, you know, psychologically, people like to keep moving forward when they're travelling. Um, but, you know, it's meant the town's become quieter. Um, so it actually has a village feel. Uh, you know, you don't get the, the big trucks roaring through town, uh, you know, at 80Ks. So, uh, you know, it really is nice and safe. You know, the you know kids playing out in the park and everything. And it really does feel like a, you know, a, a quintessential little village, you know, you know, dot, stuck somewhere in the in the, the back rolling hills it's it's great and how's your commute uh the commute is uh i used to do uh probably an hour and a half uh one, one way uh in the old days before before we moved down here now the commute's about uh 30 seconds down the stairs unless i trip and fall uh, <laughs> uh you know the commute to work is great trying to get away is uh, a bit hard but uh but look it's it's great it's 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 a lot of people say you shouldn't really work where you you live uh and uh, i can see why but at the same time it's a uh you know when you love it so much it's it's hard not to want to go and do it so there's, there's probably not a day i'm not out there doing something uh or checking something um a lot of people would also say be wary about working with family. So you're in a yeah, very tight family yeah, well, business. Actually, yeah, we've got the whole lot. Well, our daughter is uh, is now uh, old enough to be helping in the cellar door too. So uh, and and helping with uh, some of our our, our art. So um, yeah, look, it, it is a family affair. Um, oh, it, it's it's actually been great because I think you know well. For Mel and I, we have very different strengths uh, when it came to what we could do in the, in the, in the business, um, and I think you know that's actually really been complementary to you know to us being able to do what we've been able to in those uh, you know ten or eleven years. Um, I think you know if we didn't have the range of skills uh, or had the same skills. It probably would have been more 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 disagreements and uh, and and would have been a lot harder. Um, so yeah, it's it's it, it is it's a it's a you know quite a lucky thing to be able to do is you know live and and work with uh, with your family uh, and you know all in the under the one roof. A lot of people have probably got a, a bit of a dream, wondering if they've got the bravery or the resources to take a leap. What have you learnt from your journey that, that yeah. might help others? Yeah, look, I think, uh, you know, 
passion's the main thing. Uh, passion and drive and determination. Uh, you, you don't necessarily need to you know go out there and um and start with you know the biggest uh stills or the biggest kit or a massive bottling line start small uh you know work your way up learn your crafts put the hours in don't overextend you know make sure that you keep your you know your idea your goals you know your original goals as 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 clear in your mind as you can um you know we started with a much much smaller uh still we had the first still we used was a little five liter still for all our r&d then we our first production still for gin was a 30 liter still which is actually sitting behind you over there on on the uh, one of the tables you know you don't have to start with massive equipment you build into it and and i think if you do that and keep keep you know really focused on on that you can and most importantly keep that passion that drive going um you know yeah it's 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 worth every every moment of the the blood sweat and tears you've mentioned some of the people that you learned from over the years like how 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 important is community to what you do oh look i think it's it's one of those things that you never stop Learning and you, you cannot stop learning in, well, in anything in life, but it, especially in, in something like this, um, there is so much crossover. Um, you know, even even in the wine industry, now a lot of the the winemakers I know, you know, are so so uh, open in in their knowledge and will will you know share you know what they do and it's sometimes not that they know what we're doing and it's not that we understand what they're doing but it's that communication and it's that open dialogue where you can really you know share these ideas and and as you start to understand where they're coming from and what they're doing that's where you start to go oh hang on I can do this or or that might work in this way for me um, and you know, a lot of us work in, together in terms of, you know, sharing ideas about equipment. And, of course, you know, there's differences because wine bottles are different to spirit bottles and different to cans and all that sort of stuff. But we all try and sort of, you know, help each other out with, you know, not reinventing the wheel. Uh, and, and I think that's that's actually been one of the, you know, the, the greatest things. Like in the early days, like, you know, just being able to ask those questions and then, being able to reciprocate that, you know, for other people who are coming in new, um, because I think that's that's where you know you get that strength in quality. Um, if everyone can have a bit of an easy go of you know finding the right way, uh, you know, we just have a, a better quality industry of, of, across the board, and that, and that's even food. Um, you know, I've learnt from uh, the, one of the local cheesemakers some some really interesting things, uh, and even about waste management, things like that. You know, silly things like that. You know, it makes still makes your day easier, and and you can make better decisions. So, yeah, community is very important. And do you think there's something about South Gippsland? I mean, it's quite compact. It's not that long between towns, is it, uh, or is well, it that there's it, it, a lot it, of new new people coming into the region? Well, no, I think I think it's 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 actually broader than you, you think. It's funny how it, it actually takes 20 minutes at least to get anywhere. Really, uh, you know, and and, and uh, it's actually everything's a fair fair drive. Um, I, I think that the um, you know, there's there's a lot of there are a lot of newer players on, but you know, there's there's a lot of people who've been in the area just slowly building up to you know you know starting and, and doing things and, and growing. Um, 
you know, it, it's it's hard sometimes actually for us to all catch up because the distances, well, you know, if you consider more central Gippsland and even East Gippsland, it's four hours away. So we rarely see some of those guys. Um, it's always good to catch up. Um, it, it's, it's you know, I think that the, the local, uh, the, the immediate guys who we do get to talk to more often, uh, you know, yeah, we can, we can really cover off things quickly with them and because they yeah, you can just drop in and say hey how do you do this um, and it, it works well and i'd love you to talk about perhaps one beer one gin and one whiskey that if people want to get a little bit of a survey of what lock is all about where would they start oh, right well okay um with with the beers uh they are they're all real ales so proper old school english beer so i would say anything i'm not going to say one beer i'm just going to say a a type of dispensing um cask ale which is traditional in the uk uh which which is a it's not a keg it's a cask no carbonation um and you pump it through the hand pump so any beer that's on the cask is probably the the go-to for us um and and it's something that probably sets us apart because not many people do it because of the care that has to go into casking beer and dispensing so it's it's probably the our our signature for 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 the ales that that real ale the gin i'd probably go the weaver uh only because it was the second gin that we we made uh and released um and it's it's called the Weaver because at the time I was doing all the R and D on you know making these these gins, uh, I was crossing backwards and forwards between the buildings, and the orb weaver spiders were out and reasonably <laughs> tall. I used to always walk through their webs and uh, be brushing off orb weavers off my head. Um, the it was one of those gins that was we'd made a whole a, a whole lot of you know experimental ones had a bottle sitting there and uh, one of the guys working for us made martinis one night and we're like wow what's this he goes oh it's that one over there I said ah which one he goes oh, number four or three or whatever it was and I went, right I think that might be the next gin uh, because it tasted so good and and it was a blend of it's a London Dry blend of uh, Australian native botanicals and the traditional botanicals and the native Australian botanicals are grown about 20 minutes away from here again uh, on a sustainable bush food farm um, so you know it you know works so well uh, as a as a martini gin it just starts off nice and sort of uh, light and sweet and then finishes dry and savory so it works really really well whiskey well look they're all single malts I'd say probably at the moment um, it's it's like picking a favourite child. I'm and sorry, it, it's I know. Really going to hurt <laughs> doing this. Um, look, I would say probably the the Pedro Jimenez just because it's a such a rich, you know, luscious whiskey. You know, those dry fruit characteristics coming out. You know, from the from the sherry. Um, it's a they were we were lucky enough to get uh, some. Uh, Pedro Jimenez and Oloroso barrels from from Spain that were cut down into an octave cask. Um, they uh, were you know so only ever used for Pedro Jimenez, and we got them you know still quite wet when when we got them, and uh, we're able to you know fill our spirit straight into them. And as the spirit was going in, it smelled fantastic. So I knew 
it was going to be amazing after five five and a half years whatever it was uh and yeah it's uh it's probably my go-to but i hope the others aren't listening (laughs) (laughs) they're not listening um craig what do you love about what you do oh look I think I think the you know there's there's too many things. It's it's such a to be able to do this is you know for all the you know complaining about early mornings and feeling tired and everything else. It's you know it's a fairly luxurious thing to be able to say, hey, I I make whiskey for a living, or I make gin for a living, or I make beer for a living. Well, I make them all for a living. Um, it, I, I, yeah, look, probably the, the best bit at the end, end of all of it is, you know, when you see those those customers that have come in and never had a gin or a real ale or something like that before and, and you know, they get that spark as well, that, that that initial light bulb moment of, oh, it's actually not bad. Or even guys that have never had, you know, people who have never had dark beer before because, oh, I don't like dark beer. And you get them to try a dark ale and, and they go, ooh, that's actually quite good. I like that. I might, I might have to try more of them. You know, that's that's great because you've actually changed someone's thinking um, about you know what what a product could be. That's probably the most rewarding at the end. But look, it's yeah. I think you know it's it's just a wonderful thing to be able to to do this and and to be a part of this industry. Really, would you love to uh, pour one of your single malts for the man who told you you knew nothing at the truck I, place? I I, uh, I have uh, I have actually thanked him many many times uh, for it, and I, I've actually told him without his uh, direct involvement that day, it may not have happened. And and it's a, it's amazing to be able to tra- you know trace all the way back to a, a single conversation. Uh, you know the 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 change, um, yeah. So I've I've thanked uh, thanked him many times over the years. <laughs> I love that, Craig. So fantastic to hear your story. I love that it just yeah. There's this clear turning point in your life, and you've just really run with it. So thank you so much for having us here and sharing with me today. No, you're welcome. Thanks for coming. This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.